Good morning. Great to um, be looking at these wonderful verses again. I love these verses in the series uh, text that we have uh, and been working through from Luke chapter 4. I can remember when they first really came to life for me um, about 40 years ago. These verses have just thrilled me ever since and been a prayer where I thank the Lord for them, that this is what Jesus is like, and uh, asking him that he would show us more, show us more of, of these words. Well, you will remember that the context in the previous chapter, that the context of Jesus getting up and reading from Isaiah 61 is that he has been baptized, and the Holy Spirit has descended upon him, just filled him. And so it's following that, the Holy Spirit baptizing him and filling him, that we read again these wonderful words that he reads in Nazareth. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Well, of course, it is. of course he is, because he's just been filled and anointed with the Spirit at his baptism. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he, that is the Spirit, has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed. That's the particular one we're thinking of today. To release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, sat down, and he said, this prophecy has been fulfilled in your hearing today today. This is what happens today. Do you know, each of these lines that we've been looking at in these two verses, each line is incredibly meaningful, but only collectively, only together do we get the full power of who Jesus is. The words that he's speaking, the good news of the kingdom of God, uh, as well as all these manifestations of healing and deliverance and uh, blessing that comes, come to, to, to people, and all made possible through the Spirit, the Spirit coming. On New Year's Day, a long time ago, in 1739, the Spirit fell on a small group of people who were meeting in Fetters Lane, in London, and the Spirit fell. And this is what John Wesley, who was one of the people who were present, wrote in his journal. He, he just simply says, the Spirit came upon us. Many cried out in exceeding joy, and many fell to the ground. And we have this wonderful picture of the Spirit of God coming. And what God did for John Wesley and his friends on that occasion, he'll do for us. And he does for his church throughout history as people seek him and open up their hearts to desiring uh, the Spirit, longing to be carriers of this ministry to the world around us. Well, the very next incident that Luke records in his gospel in Luke 4 um, is an account of Jesus releasing an oppressed person. So doing exactly what he's just said, uh, this prophecy uh, that has been fulfilled will do. 
And um, we're going to read from verse 31 of Luke chapter 4. This is what happened. Jesus has moved from Nazareth, which is in the hills, about 1,200 feet above sea level. He's now right down by the lake in Capernaum, a lakeside town below sea level, actually, Capernaum. And he's once again in a synagogue. And this is what we read happens. Then Jesus went down to Capernaum, to a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath began to teach the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his message had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What is this teaching? With authority and power, he gives orders to evil spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. I mean, no wonder the people were excited. I mean, what a, what a wonderful thing. And the, and the news spread about Jesus. It's a little bit like, I guess, a, a, an elite athlete, you know, coming on the scene in their, in their sport, whatever it might, might be. And when, we're not so interested in this new star, you know, what they say they can do. We're really interested in when they translate it onto the pitch or onto the court or wherever it may be. They actually do. They fulfill all the potential that people are talking about. And then we, we, we use words like, oh, they're, they're playing in an inspired way or, or they're running rings around the opposition. Um, a real bit of magic in what they, they are doing. Well, this is the kind of thing that people were saying about Jesus. Because it's not only what he says, but he's doing what he said he would do. And he's doing the really hard stuff, the stuff that's impossible, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's just people are excited and, and so grateful for what is happening. So what is oppression? That's what we're thinking about this morning. What is oppression? Well, it, it has that sense, oppress, when we're oppressed, we're sort of put upon in some way, we're harassed we're experiencing a heavy hand. We're feeling coerced in some way. We're feeling burdened. And so when we read that what Jesus does is to release people from oppression, it's speaking about breaking them free of all that heaviness that can come on us in life. It has the idea of overcoming or overpowering something that is strong and is hampering and minimizing the person in some way. Now, people, of course, can be oppressed in, in many ways and for many reasons. I mean, that's clear. I mean, we can be, people can be oppressed um, economically through poverty, uh, 
oppressed mentally through anxiety and depression, socially through loneliness and isolation, emotionally through grief and uh, tragic loss and disappointment. But also people can be oppressed spiritually, which is the focus here in this passage. Verse 33 says that the man has been oppressed by an evil supernatural presence described as a demon. And this power is having control and influence over the man's life. He's oppressed and his oppression has a spiritual root to it. Some people in the modern world don't, um, you know, just don't, simply don't believe in this kind of explanation, the existence of, of demons. And that's mainly because they, they also don't believe in any kind of spiritual invisible reality, whether good or bad. So they completely discount this. But many others, however, know only too well that the Bible's analysis is very real that there are harmful powers that are able to influence a person and cause harm, which is the intention of the enemy. And it's more than just an illness of the mind here. There's something deeper going on that's contributing to this person's oppression and and, and what he's he's, um, dealing with. And the point is that Jesus freed and healed a good many people like this. We read through the Gospels and he's constantly, you know, setting people free who are oppressed in some kind of way. This is a common condition as Jesus moves around. The New Testament also, I think, very helpfully indicates through the original language that there are different degrees of demonic influence a kind of sliding scale, if you like, from things that um, can be very severe right the way through to things that are relatively mild. Possession, of course, indicates sort of a total control of a person where the enemy has some sort of real control over a person's person's life. But that's just one end of the continuum. Um, But to be troubled by our evil presence. I mean, in my experience, that's a relatively common occurrence, uh, to be oppressed in, in that way. So, how does oppression happen? How does that, you know, take hold in, in our lives in some way? Um, I guess another way of putting it, is it possible to inadvertently make ourselves vulnerable uh, to oppression? Uh, Absolutely. We can can easily do that. You know, even churchgoers can make themselves vulnerable to oppression. Do you notice that this took place in a synagogue? And maybe at first sight, that's a, that's a bit strange. You think, really? <laughs> this, this, this sort of freeing of a person took place in, in what was effectively their church of the day. But let's remember that Jesus, one of the things that Jesus does is to remove things that actually block his goodness and his freedom coming to people. 
So a little bit later in his life, we have the record of him actually cleansing the temple in Jerusalem. He actually gets rid of the things that are in the temple that are hampering God's goodness and blessing coming to people. What are these that we have been given? They are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Michael said, you know, a deep clean. Isn't that what we need? We need these to be just cleansed by God so that we are those who can walk in the freedom that Jesus uh, longs for us to experience. So, So how does oppression come about? Well, simply by him looking for weak points in our life. That's the way that it happens. Things like trauma, there's all kinds of ways that this can happen. Things like trauma, the hurts of life, fears and anxieties, unforgiveness and bitterness, through which the enemy can gain an influence and some sort of access in our lives. You know, the Apostle Paul put it very directly when he says in Ephesians, do not give the enemy a foothold. I love that. Don't give him any advantage in your life. Don't give him a handhold or a foothold in in, in your life. Be very careful about that because um, he doesn't play fair. You know, he seeks to hamper us in some way if we do do that. And if we don't take, you know, when we sense that the enemy is, is working away on us in some way with temptation or whatever it might be, Our resistance to that is our way of saying no to that foothold coming into our lives because footholds left there unattended tend to become strongholds and um, we, we don't want that. So the question I think for all of us, really important question is, where is your stronghold or who is your stronghold? We can turn this very positively into the salvation and the blessing that Jesus wants to bestow upon us. Who or where is our stronghold? The psalmist just puts it like this. God is my stronghold. God is my stronghold. It's a wonderful statement. How how do we make God our stronghold? We do it by daily opening the door of our life, flinging it open as wide as it will possibly go and saying to Jesus, come on in again today. Come on in. Come on in with your light, with your presence, with your holiness, with your goodness. Come and be um, my all in all. Now, I love these scriptures. I hope these will be an encouragement to us in making Jesus our stronghold. And it's, you, you will have maybe favorite scriptures of your own, which I encourage you to think about and to pray on a regular basis. But here, here are some. Christ in us, the hope of glory. What is not that a great picture? We make Jesus our stronghold when we think about that. Jesus in us, the hope of glory. He can be in us by his spirit. A wonderful thing. The kingdom of God. Where's the kingdom of God? It's not out there, looking out there. No, the kingdom of God is within you. God's spirit. When when Jesus, when we allow Jesus to rule and reign as king in our life, the kingdom of God is within us. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh. Again, it's putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus in us, us in Jesus. 
These are the the things. These are the great promises. This is what we actively step into with the Spirit's help each day of our life. And Jesus said, I love this one. When he was speaking about the enemy, he just simply says of the enemy, he has no hold on me. Isn't that great? That's the way we want to live our lives, with the enemy having no hold on us, no hold over the thoughts in our minds, uh, the, 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 the things that come out of our mouth, the, the actions that we do. He has no hold on me, Jesus says. Oh, Lord, yes. Give us that. Give us that. Be in control of our lives. And so, thirdly, how do we get free? If we are experiencing some oppression in our life, how do we get free? Well, let's go back and look at what Jesus did. He just speaks to the oppressing presence. Just speaks to it. Uh, Verse 35, be quiet, Jesus says. Be quiet. Come out of him. And the presence came out of him without injuring him. I love the simplicity of this. A simple command. There's no credentials. Jesus is not putting forward this and some rational argument for this and that. It's not complicated in any way. He just told the oppressing power to go and it went. That was it. And it's possible, I I, I suspect, I'm just thinking there, here's this guy, I wonder if he'd been coming along to this synagogue for years. Possibly. Um, and it's possibly the, 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 the evil presence has been just sort of lying dormant, maybe for years. And it was Jesus' presence and power that flushed it out. <laughs> it, was just, it was just Jesus being there. And this evil presence no longer was able to conceal itself or no longer was able to remain silent. He, it, 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 it let itself be known so that Jesus, with a simple word, a simple command, could set the person free. I love it. Light dispelling the darkness. That's what we see going on with just a word as the light of Jesus comes uh, upon this man and into his, his life. I think what the demon says actually is noteworthy. In in verse 34, the the demon says to Jesus, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Well, it it recognizes the truth. Do you know the enemy recognizes, knows the truth about Jesus, about God, more clearly than some people know. Let's not be in any doubt about that. They know he is God. I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. Recognizes the truth. And of course, the answer to the other question that the evil presence um, asks, have you come to destroy us? The answer, of course, is yes. (laughs) That's exactly what I've come to do. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the enemy. 1 John 3, 8. Jesus comes as... Liberator, Savior, Lord. And you know, the the truth is that for all of us, from time to time, all of us have need to get free of oppression. I I mean, I sometimes ask myself, why, why did I 
wait so long. You know, I'm experiencing some sort of heaviness or oppression in my life. <laughs> some sort of, when I've woken up, um, you know, I say to myself, you know, why, why have I put up with this for so long? Why? Why didn't I just go to Jesus and, and you know, be set free more, more quickly? And, of course, we, we get stuck on things, don't we? We, we, we tend, in, in the busyness of life, things press in on us. We can experience little afflictions or heaviness or all kinds of things that can go on in our, our lives. We get stuck. But our tendency is to just battle on. But why? Why when we have Jesus who with a word sets people free? A word sets people, people free. We need to remember that Jesus taught his disciples. This is not some sort of rare thing that happens you know, every three years in our life. But when he was teaching his disciples to pray, he, he was saying to them, along with praying every day, daily for all your daily needs, your daily bread, pray, deliver us from the evil one. This is a regular part of what we need to be doing in, in, our, in our lives. Deliver us from the evil one. All the, any heaviness of heart, any unnatural weakness in our bodies, any persistent, bitter uh, thoughts, idle words, addictions, um, you know, sinful actions, whatever it might be. Let's not live with any of that. Let's bring our lives regularly to Jesus for him to do the deep clean in our, our, our lives. I, I think great, great question to just be asking ourselves, asking the Holy Spirit to help us with is, Lord, is there any area in my life where you are not in full control? Any area where he's not in full control? Or to put it another way, where I am not in control of what I should be in control of? So I, I'm going to pray, and um, why don't you use this prayer to ask Jesus for freedom? Um, ask him for his freedom. And I'm, I'm going to try and cover most of the bases, all of the bases, hopefully. Um, and I'll give some pauses and silence as we go through. Uh, and you can make things specific with God as the Holy Spirit just brings what's going on in your life to mind. Just be honest with God and mention those things to, to, to him. And I believe that when we've done that, we can be free. We can be free because Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Now, if you're able, I'm going to invite you to stand uh, so we can do this together, have that sense of doing it together, coming before Jesus. Let's just now invite him once again. He's been here. But Lord, we invite you by your Holy Spirit to come. As we stand in your presence, we want to just picture it, just like the passage that we've read, your presence was there, Lord. You were there amongst the people and you just spoke the word of freedom. So we invite your spirit, Lord.
I had uh, had the sense earlier in the week, um, the Lord just put this, this word on my heart, just a simple word he said, uh, that, that said, um, God is fixing things. God is fixing things. You know, he's putting things right in our lives. Fixing things. Thank you, Lord. Now, I just want to start this time of prayer by us affirming our faith in Jesus. That's the starting point. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you and you alone died and rose. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I throw the door of my life, again, just fully open to you. Just picture it. Throwing the door of your life fully open to him and his light, his presence flooding in to you. And Lord, as we do this, we, we, we humble ourselves. We humble ourselves before you. Love, love the words of that worship song. We humble ourselves in your presence. What can we do but, but wait for you? Well, we do, Lord. We, we humble ourselves. We pull down any, any proud thought that might be in our mind where, where we think we have known better than you, Lord God, in our lives, how, how I should live my life. We pull it down. And Lord, we now just want to confess silently our sin, any known sin to you. Don't, don't go searching for sin. Let's let the Holy Spirit search you. And if he brings something to mind, offer that up. Is there a fear, an anxiety, a, a, a reluctance to make God our stronghold in a particular instance? Confess that. Confess that to him. I confess it to you, Lord. And Lord, more than just naming it and confessing it, with your help, I repent of it. I turn from it. I renounce it. I forsake it. And Lord, I receive your forgiveness because that's your promise, that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, to clean us. Let that forgiveness just wash over you And with God having forgiven us, it's a great opportunity immediately to say, Lord, you having done that for me, um, let's forgive anyone who has hurt or harmed us, you. Let the Spirit again just bring any, if, is there any person that comes to mind? Forgive them. Forgive them. 
Remember, forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a decision. We decide to do it. Let's tear up up your IOUs. (laughs) Any IOUs. Let's get rid of them. By a decision of my will, I forgive those who have wronged and harmed me, Lord. Let's just check and and, uh, make make a clean break with anything to do with the occult. It's another one. Let's get rid of anything that's doubtful in our life. Anything where we may have handed over control to to something else. An addiction. We find ourselves locked into something. A pattern of thought. Let's, Let's... Let's just break with that because we've effectively made it an idol. You see, we've made it something strong in our life by giving it that power. I renounce and sever all contact with those things, those thoughts, those attitudes. I put my trust in you, Lord Jesus. Be prepared also to be released from every curse, any any abuse that um, you have suffered, any any authority figure that has kind of wielded power over you um, in an unjust and unkind way. Can end up being like a curse. You know, we don't want anything to run in our families. And I'm thinking of families here. Is there anything that just runs down through the generations that you think, we, I, we need to be free of this. My children need to be free of this. My grandchildren need to be free of this. We break its power. Jesus was made a curse for us on the cross. He has taken that so the power of it could be broken. Thank you, Jesus, that your death releases me from every curse, every curse, every influence. We may not be specifically aware of them, but we're sensing something has been there. We, we give it to you. We put our trust in your death for me, taking that curse and breaking its power. And so now I I take my stand with you, Lord Jesus. Let's just be saying that in our heart. I take my stand with you, Lord Jesus. And I command every demonic influence which has control over me, any influence, great or small, to go now. I break your power and I expel you in the name of Jesus, my Savior. You have no part of me any longer. And I just encourage you, breathe out. Actually, some of you may just need to shake your hands. There's a stiffness there. Shake it. Just as a sign of, you know, the enemy has no part 
of us. No hold in us. You know, sometimes we've got to cry it, cry it out. <laughs> the influence. And let these temples of the Holy Spirit now be flooded, flooded with the light and the presence of God. Yes, come Lord, come Lord, flow into us with your kindness, your love, your trust. Bodies filled with light, filled with light, doing all the, the impossible things, the, nat- the unnatural things, because Jesus is in us. A new stronghold, a new stronghold of of Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, again reigning supreme in our lives. Fill us, flood us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just be saying that to him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Show me more. Thank you, Lord. Show me more. 